0: we received emails lately at Man Screwed asking why people listen to Man Screwed. It's got to be because of insights like this from Jack LaCroix.
1: Pursuit of Nookie, was this one of those moments where you had to weigh the money versus the possible Nookie?
0: Don't forget, there's also the wise wisdom of Roberto. So I, I dropped this for him and I said, okay, Sean, I need you to do the math on this. And he calculated it out and said, dad, you just hit me for 52. I think I'm dead. And the man who makes the whole thing spin, Tangent.
2: So, I don't know. I I would say that I think that Red's going to have a short window, and then it's going to be stuck with Incinerate and Shock once again, and that didn't work out too well
0: the last time. Along with some of our special guests.
3: When Target Chris comes into
0: play, Jack gains plus Boner plus Boner until end of time. And now,
2: welcome
4: to Manuscrude.
0: Welcome to another episode of Manuscrude this week, as we preview... More spoilers for M12, and also we have some leftover questions that should have been part of episode 50. I am joined by four people that you would know in the Magic community. Each one of them represents something different from the Magic community. We'll start with a voice you commonly hear on here, Jack.
1: I'm commonly heard on here. Would that mean I'm commonly commonly good or just uncommonly good?
0: You're losing your most hated tag. Ah,
1: I know. I need to work on that. So you know what? Like, every deck you've ever played sucks, listeners. Every single one. And you're a scrub. <laughs> okay. That's a good start, right?
0: Excellent. Next we have the man behind one of the most interesting video podcasts out there. Also a person I interviewed on the Band of Magic. Anthony.
4: Hi. I'm Anthony. I direct or make the Professor's. And uh, I just started listening to Man of Screw today, so what's up?
0: We also have another gentleman from our podcasting world, he of of CommanderCast. You know him as Carlos.
5: Yeah, that's me. Uh, I'm a co-host of CommanderCast, occasional guest host of Horde of Notions and uh, Conquering Commander, and I'm kind of becoming like Chris. Uh, I also write articles for Quiet Speculation every week on Tuesday about Commander.
0: Okay, and we actually have... Two more people, not one. Uh, okay. We have the gentleman who helped me down at Grand Prix Dallas and is a writer as on the foreknown Quiet Speculation website. He also comes on here semi-frequently. It's Corbin.
3: Yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm Corbin Hostler. I write a financial column on the insider part of Quiet Speculation. Um, and, yeah, like Robert said, I like to do some coverage as often as possible.
0: Someone who is supposed to be familiar to the show Maybe
1: I don't know, this guy never shows up, Robert I mean, he's unreliable (laughs) He has a horrible work (laughs) schedule Do you really think he's going to make it in time for the show?
0: Loser (laughs) And the final person to join our show The actual person who hosts the show
2: Oh, you're not a host?
0: Well, you're the host I'm just the host Yeah, whatever, whatever and we would like to welcome the man who made manuscript, made manuscript possible, it's Tangent.
2: What is up, everyone?
0: We decided to go with the roundtable format with all these. We do have actual questions that we're going to go through this week. Because I wanted them on episode 50, but someone decided to do something different... All right.
2: Well, so that wasn't exactly what the intention was. I put the last episode as a special episode, and Chris decided to go ahead and make it episode 50 in spite of that. So,
0: With all the changes that's been happening to Standard now, what is the format that excites each one of you the most? And we'll just go around the table. Jack, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, I'm still taking a good look at Modern I'm really hoping that Wizards of the Coast Is going to make the right decision And cannibalize Extended in favor of it um, I've also been brewing a lot more now For uh, Commander since I'm Actually writing for Mana Deprived now About Commander so um, that's taken The forefront of my attention In mean, Standard I'm still kind of looking at it But it's like it's like looking at an ex-girlfriend There's only so many things you can say about it Before there's just nothing to say anymore Anthony what about you?
4: Uh, yeah, I gotta agree with Jack. Standard's just really rotten right now. Um, really liking Commander, and, uh, trying to get into Legacy, but it's, you know, just
1: way too expensive.
0: See, you two are perfect for what product came out. They love people like you two. Just, like, all over.
1: And, you know what's absolutely great about the new Commander decks is I'll be writing about (laughs) my improvements and opinions on the Zedru deck that's gonna be coming out, uh, on my next copy of Troll Aesthetics, which should be out the week after next.
0: We also have a person that would talk about Commander. Carlos?
5: I guess the formats that I'm most excited about are Commander and Modern. Uh, I've been brewing and testing a lot for Modern with my friends, mostly because any format where I can play Gifts Ungiven and it's not the worst, I'm going to play it and I'm going to play Gifts Ungiven. Um, I've been playing a lot with various 12-post control lists, and it's a really good format. I like it a lot.
0: Corbin?
3: Yeah, I uh, I agree. Modern is, has been really exciting ever since they announced it. um, I've been pretty excited because it would give me the chance to play Living End again, which is one of my favorite uh, combo decks since I've started playing. Um, Standard is gonna, it's gonna be a lot better than it has been. and I might do some brewing for it, but I am not. don't really have any events to be preparing for. So I'm much more interested in Commander, which I just picked up with the, when the event decks came out for it. So we'll uh, get into that and, and hoping Modern comes to be a real real thing.
2: Tangent. So I, I personally think that <clears throat> everyone's saying that Standard's so horrible, I think it's, Made a big improvement with the bannings. I think that now there's going to be a lot more interest in it and there's going i mean even the pros seem to be much more interested in it now. Um, but I would say that i personally would still go with just with the limited to be honest with you with <clears throat> to me limited is still the the most entertaining in general. Uh, I am pretty excited about Commander right now, just because it just came this the new sets just came out, but i I'm not gonna get wrapped up in modern until I see for sure that it actually ends up being something because to me, every other extended type format there's been a lot of hype about, and then it just fizzled out, so we'll see.
0: That's a good way to start this off. I guess we have four in one direction and one in the other, but that's where that's the way tangent usually is. He's off in his own direction, anyways. So, <laughs> all right, let's let's go to the next one. Our friend Chris Lansdale, you know him from this podcast and about the four thousand other podcasts he's doing each week. Do you think there's a possibility of too much Chris on the MTG Cast Network? We'll start with the person who actually co hosts the show with him, Jack.
1: Well, you know, like. I like Chris, I'm not going to lie, but there's only so much Lansdale you can get in a week, just like there's only so much LaCroix you can get in a week, right? So I long ago learned that people will soon grow tired of my own antics, so I've learned to pepper it out throughout the week and occasionally pop in on podcasts that I frequent. Chris has yet to learn this, so I'm starting to think that this is just one small sign of a more serious condition. I think Chris suffers from podcastitis. And it's it's quite fatal, because he's been on almost every single broadcast I've listened to within the last week. Now, if this goes unchecked, there's a very good chance that we'll have to surgically remove his mic from his neck. And that might not end very pretty for anybody involved. So, Chris, unless you want lifelong scars, because you're already scarring us, put the mic down for just a moment, and step away.
0: And the person has to work two weeks to get his video cast up. Anthony, what do you think?
1: You
4: know, I listen to everything on MTGcast, but I don't. I don't mind whoever wants to talk. You know, I listen to Jack for like three hours a week. Apparently. Oh, you poor to- bastard!
1: I'm sorry.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Carlos. Uh,
5: I mean, Chris does a lot for the community. He helps out a lot with mana deprived. He's on all these shows. He helps uh, edit and produce some of them. Like having people like that is good for the community. And uh, if if people get tired of it, then like, maybe he'll cut back or maybe he'll change his personality on each of them or save different bits of uh, conversation or tech or whatever for different shows. But in general, I think having people that enthusiastic about this game and enthusiastic about a contributing to community can only end well for everyone.
0: And from the man who suffered burnout the first time, Okay,
5: <laughs> Hey, well,
2: I, I will say this. Uh, I don't don't get Chris's being on podcasts confused with community support. Chris is on podcast because of ego support but uh he's he's awesome i i would say it's a little weird to me to have to have him on more podcasts than roberto here because he's been known in the past as being one of the biggest podcast whores around but he's he's been laying a little low lately so you're you're falling behind there roberto
0: yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to limit my interviews and I'm trying to limit my time on podcasts as much <laughs> as possible. Even I know too much of me is a bad thing.
2: The, well, what I was going to say is Chris is going to need to be careful because if he actually does get anything else going on in, on in his life, he's going to suffer some serious burnout. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's,
3: that's the thing. Like, like. Even when, when like, and I I don't podcast as much as, you know, as Robert or Chris, but uh, just with podcasting and writing and just magic, magic in general, you know, uh, sometimes you have to take a step back. So if he has the fire, I say nah, no such thing as too much right now because you don't know how long uh, he'll be able to keep it up because everyone kind of goes through periods of their life where they have, you know, more or less time to be on it. So if he has the time available right now and the energy to do it, I say more power to him.
0: And I think writing is significantly more difficult than just doing podcasting because you have to actually come up with something that's logical and that people actually want to read.
1: Uh, have you Have you actually read my blog? There's nothing logical in that, Robert, but thank you for the compliment all the same. <laughs> the women? Honestly, when it oh. – <laughs> well, yeah, the, the girls certainly get a lot of people in, but um, when it comes to writing, for me at least, um, yeah, the first, getting that first article or getting started can be rather difficult sometimes. And coming up, like, I do Monday through Friday content for my blog. Coming up with something to talk about every single day sometimes can be rather tiresome. And there are those moments as a writer you're going to sit there and you're actually going to consider how much time you've spent behind the keyboard when you could have been out with friends or doing absolutely anything else. Um, I'm very passionate about writing, so that doesn't bother me a lot. And and there are far less times I come up with uh, writer's block than I used to. But yeah, there, there are definitely going to be those moments when you sit there and you stare at the monitor and you look at your watch and you've been sitting there for an hour and you've not even typed five words and it's very depressing.
0: Anthony, I want to bring that up with you because you just did that movie clip for your USC project. You're still managing to do this. You're still managing to go to school, obviously. How do you manage to not get marked out?
4: Well, yeah, I'm lucky enough to only have to do it once a week. Um, Yeah, I've, if I did something like Jack and write every day, that would suck. Uh just, you know, having to go with something every day. Uh, but you know, I usually just take um and base everything off other websites and basically what people are talking about
0: and- I was testing. But also your movie stuff that you're working on for when you go to college. Uh, oh, yeah. Those projects, those additional projects, that takes up additional time, additional memory resources that you could be doing something actually fun with. How does how do you weigh that all in?
4: Yeah, I think the key is just, you know, not having a social life.
1: <laughs> yeah, like pretty much that's what I do. Um, I'm actually chained to my desk right now, if not left in about five days. And you know, I I've forgotten what the caress of a sunbeam feels like, but that's okay because I'm getting content out there, and people care about me.
2: Well, at least you get to caress yourself, though, so that's always
1: good. <laughs> Let me tell you, that dirty sock on my webcam has got me through a lot of long, lonely nights. Well, I bet it has, brother.
0: You write an article every week, Corbin. How hard is it to come up with topics and ideas?
3: You know, uh, some weeks some weeks are better than others. Some weeks there's a lot going on, uh, you know, in the financial world uh magic. And some weeks there's not. And you know, I've gone through 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 phases where sometimes you know I'll work on my stuff. You know, like a week ahead of time I'll be really, you know, excited about what I'm writing about for that week. Uh, and it comes comes easily. And then other times I'm sitting there at the last minute just trying to trying to come up with something. So um you know if writing something you like to do, it's not gonna be easy every time. But uh you know it's something it's something that if you're passionate enough about it, you, you know, can get through the times where you have to make yourself do it because it's worth it for the times when you, um, you know, are really passionate about a topic and have that platform to write about it.
0: Conley Woods this last week wrote an article about why he played Callblade. Our rogue deck designer is playing that deck. We joked about KYT and other people ending magic. Could this possibly be the end of magic as we know it, thanks to rogue designers giving in... <laughs> We'll start. We'll go we'll a little off base this time. We'll actually start with tangent. Uh, the end to rogue deck design, or just the end of Magic in general, because he gave into it. Uh,
2: yeah, it is. It's the end of Magic, <laughs> so I'm quitting right now. Actually, see you guys later. Have a good night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bye, tangent. But I mean, really, does this speaks to why it needed to be banned?
2: Right. That's. I guess that's the key is the fact that. But but Conley has done that in the past, and he'll even say, you know, there are times when he will brew, and he it just turns out that he's not able to come up with the best deck, and he'll play he will play whatever is top of the line. But but at the same time, he he would prefer to be able to brew and do something to beat the meta game. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a situation where he's going he still wants to win. He's just. Tries to make something that's different So people don't expect it
1: See that's what I was going to say too um, Conley had a uh, I forgot what GP it was but there was an article He wrote where he had said you know hey, here's this Fauna Shaman deck that I made, and it's, I thought it was really, really good, and people kept telling me to play Call Blade. And I just said, no, I'm not going to do that, because it's the best deck in the format, and I think Mike can beat this, and blah, 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 blah. And he finally had to concede to the fact that, you know, sometimes you have to be a little humble and given a to humility and actually do what your friends tell you to do, especially when you have a format like this where it's literally been Call Blade or Twin Blade for, what, two, three months now? And that's been it? I mean, Call Blade has been played so much that the deck has literally tuned itself to its own mirror, Carlos?
5: I definitely agree. I think it's more of a... It, it shows that the format was stagnant and that the combination of Stoneforge Mystic and Jace gave the deck too many different angles to attack from, uh, especially with the printing of Batterskull and sort of War and Peace to break the mirror. Um, I think that's more of an indicator of a broken format than the death of Magic as a game, or the deck of Rogue Deck Design.
0: In front of a man who said three-quarters of one episode why to explain they needed to both be van? Anthony.
5: I mean, this is like the
4: 47th death of Magic, but...
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> Just this week. Just this week.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but, uh, yes, I, I said that Jason Stenford's both had to be vans, and we did, like, 2,200 200 games of testing on the show, and we were trying to do what Conley did with Trying to fix, Callblade, and we like had no way to do it. You know, the Channel Fireball guys did the same thing where they had uh, before PT Paris, and they ended up with Callblade. So
0: it shows you exactly where we're at, Corbin.
3: Yeah, I mean, like like you guys were saying, I think it just speaks to the unhealthiness of the format where calmly picks up something like Callblade and and can't beat it. Um, you know, when it gets to a point like that. I guess you really know it's bad, and it's unfortunate that it got to that point in the first place. Um, but at least it, it was severe enough that you know Wizards had to take action and, and fix it, rather than you know where Cobblade was, you know, really good, the best deck, uh, but not quite to the level it's been at, and then maybe they wouldn't have done the bannings. Um, you know, if it's going to be present, at least it was bad enough to make people like Conley switch and kind of show the community at large that, you know, this is this much of a problem.
0: Thanks to Raphael Levy running standard Elves. I believe someone on this show said Elves might work. And he ran it to a ninth place finish at Grand Prix Singapore. We're going to go through the table quickly. Does Elves stand a chance? Now with our friends Stoneforge Mystic on Jack.
1: Yeah, I mean, you killed the one deck in the format that could have given this thing any serious problems. Now, I will say that because uh Jason all that is out of the format now, you're actually going to have stuff like Valica trying to run more Pyroclasms to overcome those fast aggro decks that are going to be out there. So this kind of suffers from that. But if you can get your pumpers online long enough, this deck actually stands a chance. Um And it can probably last for at least the next four months. I mean, all it's going to be losing is, what, maybe Fauna Shaman and Vengevine, right? And I'm sure there's going to be other elves out there that make this thing possible. Green Sun Zenith is a great toolbox.
0: Mr. 2000 Games of Testing, Anthony.
1: Uh, yeah,
4: absolutely. I think Velok is going to play Flagstorm, possibly main board, because the format's going to be so creature-heavy. Um, but, I mean, this against Callblade was pretty good, because Callblade wasn't boarding in Day of Judgments or didn't have main board Day of Judgments, because they were tuning for the mirror. Um, so, it, I mean, it even had an advantage, a slight advantage against Callblade
0: then. Carlos?
5: Uh, Sorry, I was muted. Um, I think the deck gets a lot worse with Jason's Stoneforge Band, actually. Um, Yep. People are going to start playing Day of Judgment and Pyroclasm and Slagstorm, and that hits this deck really hard. Um, One of the weaknesses of Callblade was as it tuned itself for the mirror, aggro decks became able to just beat it before it could set up and get a sword hit in. And stabilize. Um, now that everything is more creature oriented and people are going to be playing Wraths and spot removal and things like that, I think it gets much much worse. Corbin, I agree. It gets worse.
3: I ran elves at GP Dallas and I went six two and one. Um, and my only loss, my losses were to Balakid, not not Cobblade. Uh, I, I think that Cobblade was a pretty good matchup for elves. Uh, and you know, I agree that Balakid will probably be running Slide Storms main and. Uh, more on the sideboard, and, uh, you know, if they get one Swarm off on turn three and kill two or three elves, yeah, you might be able to reload after that, but I, you're in a rough position to, to actually race at that point. I think they get worse.
2: Tangent? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> That's what I was going to say from the beginning is that uh, I think that they had a chance before because the the meta was so jacked up. And now with Day of Judgment and Pyroclasm, see, Pyroclasm was the main thing that I was worried about as it was because hardly anyone was playing Day of Judgments, and now uh, you're going to be dealing with both because there's going to be so much more aggro being played. People were already starting to play more of it because of the vampire decks that were out there, and now it's like now it's just going to be ten times worse.
0: Let's jump to the planeswalkers. We have the rumored Aruk 2.0 one. 3 green, loyalty 3, plus 1 gives you a rampant growth, plus 1, put a green wolf token into the battlefield under your control, minus 7, put a green wolf token into the battlefield under your control equal to the number of lands and creatures you control. What do you think about it? We'll start this time with Tangent. Where
2: is the spoiler? Anyway, so I think it's... uh, Repeat the cost
0: on it again. I don't have the spoiler in front of me. 1 and 3 green. This has been not officially confirmed, but it is what is heavily suggested as to be what it's going to be.
2: Okay, because I've been looking for it, and I'm not finding it. So anyway, uh, I think that's fine. I mean, it's better than the Jace, you know. To me, it is anyway. I don't really like the Jace that was spoiled. I think it's uh, too expensive, especially for what it does. But <clears throat> that's yeah. I think it sounds
0: fine. Uh, we will go to Corbin.
3: Um, I I like the card. I I don't think that it's going to be super competitively good, but I think it's a very good design. In that, it, it, the, I actually like it costing three green. Um, you know, it keeps it from just being you know bonkers thrown into every deck. Uh, and its abilities are um, are good. Uh, they're not too powerful, and you know the casting cost of three green actually will hurt it. I think it'll be playable and, and see play, but I think overall it's a pretty pretty fair Planeswalker. I like the design on it a lot, Carlos.
5: I, I agree. I think it's really well designed. Um, I wish that the rampant growth was like you can play another land instead of a rampant growth, but that's just because I really want another exploration. Uh, I do think that it could see some competitive play if there is a mid-rangey green ramp deck, because it does defend itself and give you a win condition. I, th- I think it's a really good design. Uh, I'm interested to see what people do with it.
4: I'm assuming the Wolf tokens are TT, right?
3: Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this is. I don't think it's as good as old Garouk, uh, especially because of the restriction of the one GG G cost. Uh, I don't think you're going to be playing it in... You're you're probably not going to be casting it in a two-color deck unless you're more heavily green than the other color on turn four, I think. Uh, Or if you have Acceleration. The Rampant Growth effect doesn't seem as good as uh, previous groups, even though you're thinning your library. Um, And again, the Wolf's not as good as... Well, the Wolf is a plus one.
0: Yeah, the plus one, the minus seven is the Green Wolf token equal to the number of lands and creatures you control.
4: Right, but I think I think overall Garouk was a little more explosive because you can get up to you can get up to the overwhelming stampede effects a lot quicker, and that was pretty much a game ender. Uh, whereas this, you know, you give your opponent another turn, and you also you're only starting at three.
1: Um, as far as Garuk 2.0, I mean. It looks cool. I mean, it's still nowhere near as good as the original one. Like, uh this is what we talked about a couple of minutes ago on Monday Night Magic. I think that what Wizards of the Coast might be working towards, especially with this and Jace 3.0, is a stronger focus on less deck-mandatory cards and more utility-like cards. Because, I mean, we've had, what, two years now where Planeswalkers were absolutely necessary to a deck. That's sickening, and that's also something that shouldn't be going on in what is... <laughs> Considered to be the approachable format for newer players. Like, I mean, it was so hard to tell people, hey, you have to have Jace to play control, or aggro control, or however you want to put that.
0: And then we will go to the next one, which was the reprinting Soren. I don't think anybody can change their opinion that Soren wasn't playable. Well, it was a very small window in blue-black control, so we can skip that one right away. And we also had. Jace 3.0, Tangent already gave a thumbs down on it. Jack, your thought on Jace 3.0?
1: Um, well, if Innistrad is actually going to have like some kind of graveyard-based mechanic, like Flashback or whatever they've managed to pull out of their rectum this time, this guy's going to be insane. The problem is, though, uh, Jace is extremely narrow, and the closest thing you can even consider him... Uh, in relation to when it comes to narrow Planeswalkers is Koth. But the problem is Koth actually affects the board state, right? Like, Koth has a way of doing something to the other player. Jace 3.0 has two applications that we know of right now. One of them is Dredge. The other one is Mill. Mill has never been good and will never be good, unless it has something to back it up. And a lot of people are going to try and wedge this guy into a pure Mill deck. That ain't going to work, okay? Um, With Dredge or some similarly graveyard based kind of deck. Uh, If you're talking, like, Constructed Magic, like, Standard... uh, I don't want to even speculate on that, because we don't know what Innistrad is going to bring. It would be naive to actually try and, like, say, oh, there's going to be a deck using this guy. Um, Legacy, Extended, and Vintage, and everywhere else actually has a means of already, like, getting their library flipped over at a much cheaper cost for a much more efficient cost. So, once again, this guy's not going to fit there. Now, in EDH... I could actually see this guy getting a lot of play. Like, he has plenty of potential there for decks like Shroom, or Drowning or any of the uh, similarly graveyard-based decks like the motherfucking Mamioplasm. Um, But with that being said, like, I just don't see a point to this guy. He's incredibly narrow. And I'm not even saying that because Jace the Mind Sculptor's been out. I'm saying that because he's got so few applications.
0: Okay, Anthony?
4: Yeah, um, I mean, we know this Jace is actually real, because Star City's pre-selling it, um, and I guess Wizards confirmed it, but, yeah, it's, again, I don't think it's going to be used in, like, Dredge and anything that isn't standard, because it's 5 mana, um, and in standard, I, I don't know, maybe there was some blue, green, black Vengevine decks with Hedron Crabs, and uh, the the Merfolk Looter, the, whatever the, the looter was from the... Uh, Rise of the Eldrazi, um, but I don't... Uh, again, I think this could... I think there could be a mill deck. I'm going to disagree with Jack a little. I think there could be a little interaction with uh, cards like Heedron Crab or cards like Archive Trap. Um, you know, your opponent might focus on not using Fetch Lands or something, but I think Archive Trap is the Lava Axe for the library. And, again, you're going to be playing this in decks with, like, Frost Titans and Grave Titans and, like, Deprive, Mana Leak, or Negate, and you're going to be making the game go a lot slower. So I think you're going to be able to actually set this off. Um, and, again, against the creature decks, you're going to need backup, like, Black Sun's Zenith or Gatekeeper or Malachir or something. Uh, but I think this could be—I think there could be a playable black-blue um, control deck or mill deck, and uh, also I think the, the black card that just got spoiled on the Mother site is a, a good example of a good black card that you could use if you're trying to mill yourself in that same deck, um, though I think it's, it's pretty expensive and not all that useful for the Titans. Carlos?
5: I think it really depends on Innistrad. Um, if they do things like Flashback or bloodgast or Vengevine, then milling yourself for ten could be roughly the equivalent of drawing three or four cards, and then you threaten to do it again the next turn. Um, if it's like that, then it's going to be really powerful. Um, if it's just milling 10, then it's probably not very good. Uh, it could be something that's really good for control mirrors, because planeswalkers are very difficult to attack if you could stick them, and it's going to be like a two, uh, three or four turn clock, probably. So I can see it being good there. Uh, where I think this is really going to shine is Commander, where your graveyard is like another hand, and I'm really excited to play with it there.
3: Corbin? Yeah, I think it will be... Easier. We'll have a lot of fun in Commander. Um, as far as standard goes, um, I- I'm pretty confident based on what we've seen in the spoilers that came out of uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers and such that uh, Innistrad is uh, going to be graveyard based. So, you know, there could be a lot that comes up to make uh, the Chase more playable after rotation. Um, you know, the bottom line is though, he's, he's five mana and doesn't really protect himself. So I don't think he'll see much play. Maybe as like a two of, if some sort of mill deck. Um, you know, comes to be, but it's certainly not going to be, uh, you know, anything really, really good or, you know, even approaching like Jace Bolaren power level.
0: So in general, it's probably not overly standard playable, but it's something if you get to hold on to, to see within a stock coming out, if this is actually playable. Would that be kind of the general synopsis I'm getting from that? Got yeah, it? I think so. Obviously they're reprinting Gideon. With all these changes and everybody was removing Gideon, I guess my question is is does that now make Gideon better? Carlos, what do you think?
5: I'm really not a fan of reprinting Gideon because if if you play him, aggro kind of just loses. Um, I really like Day of Judgment as a trump against aggressive decks as opposed to Gideon. I think that he gets much better with Jason's Stoneforge Band because people are going to be playing more creature decks, and uh, it was pretty good in Control Mirrors as a Planeswalker that uh, could kill their threats, could be a threat. Um, I think it does get better with the banning. I think it will, it'll be really good. I don't think it'll ever be a format stable, but I think it'll be a solid two or three of in a lot of decks for most of its existence in Standard.
0: Corbin?
3: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it, it obviously it's much better after the bannings because the only reason it got cut from Cowboy Dex is because they didn't need it. They didn't need a hedge against aggro or mid range anymore, uh because Batterswold did it for them. Um now with the with, with Stoneforge out, uh Gideon is going to be more playable. Um I, I don't think he's very good against Valakut, which means he might not really see an increase in play into after rotation. But I like him. I don't mind the reprint. I think he's a he's he's a powerful planeswalker. Um, he's not insane, uh, so I think it's fine.
0: Tangent.
2: Yeah, I, I like Gideon. I think he's cool. Um, I I think it makes things a little more difficult for aggro decks, and I think they've already got such a hard time as it is. It kind of sucks, but I think he's a good planeswalker. He's better to me than I mean. Unless they were going to throw Elspeth back in, then I would say, yeah, they went the right way. Yeah,
1: I mean, hey, anything that keeps people from playing aggro has got to be great, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't, Anthony. Uh, yeah, I think
4: it's definitely better than J's 3.0. Um, I mean, it's yeah, definitely going to keep aggro down. It's about a. It.
0: A lot of people have been talking about this window now, with the M11 and M12 out there with the fact that red deck wins can just get ridiculous now with Lightning Bolt and Goblin Guides and Incinerate, and the ability to have one or two drops constantly and cut down the land totals. Is it possible that this could be the deck during that time window? And I'll start with Anthony.
4: Um, I don't, I mean, there's always been a foil to like a straight red deck. For example, like Core Firewalker, if you're just going to jam-pack your deck with, if the red deck's going to jam-pack their deck with Incinerates and Shocks and Burst Lightning and Lightning bolt and stuff like that, um, they're pretty much folds the Core Firewalker. If they want to beat Core Firewalker, then they have to pack uh, Dismembers, uh, something like that, or some sort of colorless uh, or alternate color way to deal with it. And uh, if you're packing Dismembers, that means you have less burn spells. Um, it also means you're dealing yourself damage, which isn't good for the Mirror. Um, but yeah, I think... Lava Master is definitely going to replace Spike Shot and Incinerate might be in there, too. Carlos?
5: I think it'll definitely be really good. Uh, I don't know if it's going to do terribly well, because everyone's going to know that it's going to be really good, and you can definitely metagame against it. Uh, you can definitely, I can definitely see decks that are running Core Firewalker and Sword of War and Peace, kind of like the uh, Pure Steel Paladin decks from the Block PT uh, Pro Tour. Uh, I also don't know how well it matches up against Valica because Valica does tend to just race uh, straight-up aggro decks and win. So it'll be interesting to see where it turns up. Um, it, it'll definitely be really good, but I think everyone's going to know that it's going to be really popular right after M12. Corbin? Yeah,
3: I think, you know, I think red deck is the most powerful it's been uh post M12. Uh, I think that's the most powerful since Fire Blast was legal. You know, there's going to be two distinct uh, red decks that are both going to be very good because you're going to have, like, your your burn deck with all these spells that we're, we're talking about, and then you're also going to have goblins with Goblin Grenade um, being reprinted. And I honestly don't know if Core Firewalker is enough because they have Dismember to kill it. They have uh, Shrine and Burning Rage to kill it. Uh, you know, the deck is just going to be absurdly powerful um and you know it's going to take a lot of sideboard cards to to beat it and i'm i I think that it raises Valakut favorably and it has uh, active uh, active aggression now as well um which is good against both Valakut and Splin twin decks, because you can steal their their target their x arc in response to their twin um so you know I think red' going to be the best that it's been you know, in my opinion, in a long time. And I think it's going to be the kind of thing where people come packing hate for it and it might not be enough.
2: Tangent. Well, I mean, are we only talking about it while 11 and 12 are together? Because exactly, it, that
0: short little okay. window.
2: Right, in that short window, yeah, I think it's going to be ridiculous. I just think I think that's the only real problem. I mean, you know, core firewalkers can be dealt with, and that's – the biggest thing stopping people from being able to beat Red right now, right? So, I mean, the biggest thing stopping Red from being able to beat people, I mean, and so I don't know. I, I would say that I think that Red's going to have a short window, and then it's going to be stuck with Incinerate and Shock once again, and that didn't work out too well the last time.
3: I think there'll be some uh, base players making a reappearance in sideboards, um, you know, because I feel like you you really need that. To, you need that life gain um, at the top of like your your creature deck to deal with it. Uh, I don't I don't think Batterskull is, is superior to Bane's Lair. Um and I think slayer is going to be a solid sideboard card now because you you pretty much have to have it against red decks. Jack, so wait a minute, we're talking about red deck, right? Yes, sir. Does it still kill people
0: quickly? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I mean like awesome, sweet. Yeah, the deck's definitely effective. Go for it.
0: But we've also had spoilers brought out this week, including one from. It's speculation. Open, talk about that one?
3: It's true. Uh, we just got it up today. Uh, it's a green card. It's called a uh, Skin Shifter. It's one colorless, one green. Uh, it's a rare from N12. It's a one-one. Um, and Kelly Reed was kind of talking about it on Twitter, calling it a morphling because uh, uh, just kind of its abilities. So I'll go ahead and read it. It's a uh, it's a one-one for for one colorless, one green, and uh, it has the ability uh, for one green, it's choose one. Until end of turn, Skin Shifter becomes a 4-4 Rhino and gains Trample, or it becomes a 2-2 Bird and gains Flying, or it becomes a 0-8 Plant. And you can only activate the ability once per turn. Um, So, you know, it can come out on turn 2 and and start beating either in the air as a 2-2 Flyer or a 4-4 Trampler on turn 3, you know, or you can use it on defense when you need it. Uh, You can keep it alive from uh, Burn Spells with its ability. Um, and you know, I, I'm not sure where it will fall now, uh, with Balakut being the best deck. Um, I'm not sure it, how playable it will be now. Um, there's definitely you know insane starts where you can go like Chancellor, of the Tangle, Lotus Cobra on turn one, and you know then get your Skin Shifter. You know, Skin Shifter turn one, B for four on turn two. You can definitely do a lot of crazy things. Uh So, you, you know, it's it's a powerful card. I'm I think it will fight a home eventually because it's um, just so versatile and only costs two mana and you can green Sun Zenith for it. Um, you know, I'm not sure that time might be after rotation, but it's it's a powerful card. What do you guys think?
0: Tangent?
2: No, I completely agree it is powerful. I I don't have a lot to say about it, but it will be very you know, very good card. Jack?
1: Well, versatility and having options in Magic can mean the difference between winning the game and being the guy that goes home without a prize. And this thing is chock full of options. I definitely could see this finding a place either in aggro or control. The only thing that aggravates me about it is the fact that you can't activate the ability more than once a turn.
0: Okay, because if you turn it to a flyer and they lightning bolt it, you'd like to change it to a rhino so it doesn't get killed or a plant.
1: Yeah, and, like, that's really what I want out of life is a flying rhino that can trample and defend me.
2: <laughs> Jack, everyone wants a flying rhino. Come on.
1: Yeah, I mean, then I could save on gas, and life would just be so much better. <laughs> yeah, I think this guy's really good. Um,
4: the important thing against the red deck is having mana open. So, like, you play him turn two, but you play him, like, you have a or elf so that you have one green open. So, you know, you can turn them into a plant. But also the important thing is that you can activate it once in your turn and once on your opponent's turn. So you could have a 4 Rhino that attacks. And then you can have a zero eight 8 plant that blocks, too. I think most of the time you're going to be turning it into a Rhino. Carlos? Uh,
5: I mean, as awesome as it is to have a Flino, um, <laughs> I think it's a really good Grinsun Zenith target. I think it's really good with swords after uh, the rotation. Uh, my problem with it is that it's only ever going to, like, trade or be a one-for-one, really. Like, I don't know. The fact that you can only activate it once per turn makes it so much worse, in my opinion. Um, I know there were people that were saying it was going to be the green Morphling, and as interesting as it is and as good as it is, I don't think it lives up to that reputation.
0: My only thing is is that if it would have been an elf, it could have really helped the elf deck because of elves' options of having so many extra mana floating around that this might have been a card that really fit in there. Like it was said, it was brought up that it's going to be a target for Green Sun zenith without being mana leaked all the time.
3: Yeah, and I think it's kind of like it's kind of like Thrun's good card and that Thrun when you just look at it in a vacuum, is, you know, pretty insane. Uh, but the fact is it just doesn't really have a home. It doesn't have a deck that it fits into in standard that can really play it to the to its strengths. Uh, and I think Skinshifter could fall into that camp depending on how the metagame shakes out um, both now and, and post-rotation and that in a vacuum, the card is very powerful. Um, you know, it's just going to be a question of is the is the format right for it? Is it going to uh, find a deck that it slots into well? Um, and I don't think that question's answered right now until we see how the the banning shake out. Um, so you know, it's a it's a cool design. It's a cool card. It could be really good, and it could just kind of end up not not really doing anything. So. I'm interested to see how it goes,
0: Anthony. You brought up the other card, one of the cards that we we're going to talk about in the preview. That went with your deck. That went with the dredge mechanic. Why don't you talk about that card?
4: Yeah, um, Vengeful Pharaoh. Um, I mean, we know that there's going to be, or according to the Duels of the Planeswalkers cards that were supposedly spoiled from Innistrad, um, like Murder of Murder of Crows and there's something else that had flashback. It was it's two colors, black, black, sorcery. Uh, put two 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 black zombies into play and then flashback for five and black black. Um, the Pharaoh is something that, you know, you could potentially use with Jace, but I don't know if you'll actually be using it with Jace. You'll probably be using it with something in Innistrad um, that actually puts cards from your library into your graveyard or something. Uh, Vengeful Pharaoh, it's a two-colorless black black black. It's a zombie death touch 5-4. Whenever combat damage is to you or a Planeswalker you control, if it's in your graveyard, um, you destroy the the attacking creature and then put it on top of your library. Carlos? Um,
5: I think it's really interesting. Uh, It's it's card advantage when you're getting it back, but it's also sort of killing a draw step. Like, with Titans in the format, I don't know if I really want this to be my, like, 5 or 6 drop. Um, It's really interesting, and Innistrad is, is based on the graveyard, and there are ways to take advantage of it, or make sure I don't have to draw it after I activate it, then it could be really good, and it could be an engine for that mono-black control deck everyone's been trying to build since forever. Corbin? Um, I like the design,
3: and to me this is a plant for Innistrad, much like Seal Overseer uh, was a plant for for Scars, And that, um, you know, this kind of says to me, you know, the spoilers... We've seen about an incharter most likely true. It is probably going to be based around the graveyard. Um, as far as the card itself goes, um, I don't think it's good if you're trying to draw it and play it. Uh, like you guys were saying, if there's a way to, to to dredge it into your graveyard or something along those lines, um, I think it it can be better. It, it could be played, um, but as far as as paying full mana for it. Uh, and you put it into a deck, I don't think it's that good. And, you know, the the ability on it is not optional. So sometimes you kill 1-1, one, one, you know, and you've killed your draw step and and, and drawn this card. Um, so, yeah, it, post-rotation, after Inner Shark comes out, I, it could have a home depending on the mechanics of that set. Um, but just as a card and as it is now, it's not insane to me.
0: Tangent?
2: Do we know for sure that, this is that Innistrad's going to have so much graveyard I mean isn't that just rumor I, I know that it's going to have some I'm sure But to the point where Something like this It seems like this would be playable in other formats I, I don't know if I could see it being played in standard as much But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Jack?
1: Well, I think a lower mana cost and a smaller body on this guy might have been better, but really, this is a card you kind of have to learn to deal with in deck. Like, you have to have a way to dump it from your hand if you're running multiple copies of it. And as a one-up, there are just going to be those times when you top deck him and it becomes disappointing. So, I don't know. I mean, the ability is definitely cool,
3: though. It's a very clever card. The Hydra? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Our our other card uh, in the... Line of Hydras that they have uh, come out with recently. We have a uh, Primordial Hydra. It's two green and X. It's a mythic from M12. Um, it's a Primordial Hydra, and there's, a bat- and there's the battlefield with X11 counters. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, double the number of X11 counters that it has on it, and it has trample if it has ten or more one one counters on it. So if you play it, uh, if you pay three mana total for it, you get a one one. Um, that doubles the the number of counters on each upkeep, and we'll have trample once they get to have ten counters. So what do you guys think?
2: Sounds pretty good and limited.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's ridiculous and limited. You're true. Yeah. With little removal? Yes, absolutely. I can agree with that. Jack?
1: (laughs) Seems pretty balmy.
0: Jack, now if this would have been an ooze... Tom would have been thrilled.
1: Tom? Oh, Tom would be flipping his shit right now, that's for sure.
0: They, they shouldn't have made it Hydra. They should have made this a uh, it Anthony.
1: It kind of reminds me of Apocalypse Hydra.
4: Um, that was the one with... You p- uh, paid seven and it was a 10 cent. But yeah, it's getting limited, not getting constructed. Carlos?
5: Uh, if there's a green-based ramp deck, uh, it might be good if people are playing nothing but Dismember and Burn. Um but in a format where people are playing, like, Go for the Throat, it seems pretty t- abysmal for Constructed, but it's, it's clearly a bomb in Limited.
0: I did want to bring up one more thing because I did post about it this weekend, and I want your opinion on this. I'm working with my 8-year-old son on how to play Magic. He picks his own deck, and then he looks at it and gives me a deck. I played a deck that did actually win, I think it was a PTQ. It was a Dueling Megram deck, and I can already hear Jack right now muting his microphone. Saying the swear words now I had four of the megrims out Played the one that basically you discard your entire hand And redraw that many cards It was like Incinerary command It's like three and two red
2: So you weren't playing standard then
0: No, 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 no I was not playing standard So I, I dropped this for him And I said, okay, Sean, I need you to do the math on this And he calculated it out and said Dad, you just hit me for 52, I think I'm dead <laughs> I, after doing that and having him go to bed, I felt really bad about it, so I posted it on Twitter. About like writing down podcast. things on Twitter. You basically called me a dick for playing that <laughs> against him.
1: Well, yeah. Well, how old is your son? Eight. You're a horrible father. You know, he you, you might have scarred him for life. Think about that. Like, no, like, uh, good good tangent to go on here. Um, My dad never believed in, like, doing the whole, oh, I'll let him win for it's good for his spirit kind of crap when I was a kid, right? Which was perfectly okay with me. But there were times that he took it to extremes. Like, one Christmas morning, we sat down to play Stratego, right? And so I look across at my dad, and I'm like, well, dad, do you want to play? Play? And he looks up, I mean, he just has his wide green eyes And he goes, well, Jack, I've never played Stratego Could you teach me? My father lied to me on Christmas morning And beat me in a game of Stratego And he called it, uh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, uh, strategy or something like that But it was a, uh, just crazy Yeah, you're, you're an absolute dickbag And a horrible person, and you should feel bad Okay, your dad that sounds <laughs> like a cool dad uh, he's, he's definitely an amazing man
0: Anthony?
4: Yeah, I mean, you can just play a more fun deck next time <laughs>
1: I mean, okay. play fairies, Robert. Do something like constructive.
3: <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what? I'll come to your defense, here, Robert. It builds character in him, and he learned. He he got to practice his math skills. I think you did everything a good father should do.
0: He had plenty of chances. He was playing red deck wins with four ball lightnings, and four Hell's Thunders. That is not my fault that he couldn't get there, and I was making him draw three cards a turn.
1: Uh, I I can make a joke here about you using that as your excuse when a domestic abuse case comes up, but I digress. (sighs) He had plenty of chances
5: to run away. Come on.
0: (laughs) He had plenty of chances of drawing more ball lightnings. Okay, Carlos?
5: Um, I think this is actually an interesting place to talk about a project that Neil Talbot uh, has been working on. He calls it toddler magic. And so what he's been doing is he's been designing a deck for each color for his son to learn how to play Magic, and right now it's just vanilla creatures, and you run them into each other and learn combat math, and the intent is to slowly add combat tricks and card drawing and things like that and make, like, a small kind of metagame, and I think things like that are good. I don't know how solid a grasp your son has of, like, the rules and the mechanics of the game, and... If he's got a solid grasp for it, then showing him that these different things can be done is a huge part of the game, and that's a good experience to have. Like, I know that's what I love about the game.
1: What Carlos is actually saying is that by the time Robert's son actually is old enough to start going to GPs and PTQs, he's going to be like the Luke Skywalker of magic, right? Exactly.
0: He actually, the minute I played, I dropped the first maker down, he looked at it and said, hmm... And he paused and he looked at me and he says, Daddy, you're making me draw cards. You're not making me discard cards. And then he paused and he looked at me and he goes, You have cards to make me discard cards, don't you? And I flipped over my hand and I showed him I had cards to make him discard cards. And he goes, But I don't have anything to stop that. I'm playing red. Uh Just get me fast and kill me quick. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I told him. At least I was trying to teach him and he understood what was happening. But since I have to go to my moral conscious over here Tangent, what do you think Oh
2: well, I think absolutely you should just make sure that you i mean you're teaching a life lesson here, Roberto. you have to teach him that's right that nobody's life, a winner. I agree. Life is hard, and you're going to get face stomped on a regular basis, so you make sure you stomp him as many times as you possibly can to really ingrain that in his brain for when he becomes an adult.
0: I had my wife looking because she was sitting there. And she's like, you're making him multiply? I said, just wait. He goes, 52. And I go, that's how much I hit him for. And she goes, it's time to tell him to go to bed. And I'm like, oh, shit.
2: So. What? Well, hey, look at it this way, man. After you stomp him, when you take him up to bed, you tell him you love him still. Well, of right? course. So you just make sure that you just afterwards, you tell him, hey, I still love you. You're just not very good at magic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It's, it's about all this. is. He'll shuffle, he'll look, and he's he's getting the concept of how much mana I need and how many spells can I cast out of my hand right away. Mulligan all the time. And he'll go to five. I'm, I'm going to five, and I'll look at his hand, I'm like, well, that's playable. He goes, no, but I only have one option by turn three. And I'm like, wow, oh, that's,
1: that's pretty cool. cool. Huh? That is
2: cool. <laughs>
0: like, oh, but okay. you
2: still be doing grain in, in his head. My motto, man. When the going gets tough, quit.
1: Okay? (laughs) And see, like, that way, like, if he continues to not be good at magic, by the time he's our age, he'll at least have the qualifications to be a stand up comedian.
2: Right, exactly. (laughs) Or a podcaster. Or a podcaster. (laughs) Let's get that
1: (laughs) Or a podcaster. (laughs) Then he can start a blog and he'll just have pictures of half naked women up and hope that people will actually read it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a good track to get on there.
5: Yeah, see, we,
0: see, if you do something like video that that requires lots of effort and lots of work, see, <laughs> way too much it, work. Yeah, way too much. I porn. don't
2: think porn is too much work. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to find some way to hold the camera and actually perform oh, the task in hand.
5: Right. <laughs> oh man,
1: you could just give them, like a patrician scorn deck, but the patrician scorn's like fifteen
4: cards down. If is your <laughs> only win condition. Nice.
0: Tangent, why don't you wrap up the show and we'll let everybody say goodbye. All
4: righty, everyone. So
2: uh, where can we reach y'all? Jack, you want to start this baby out?
1: You used y'all. I have no respect for you and thus don't have to I, I used it because I, cr- I, want, I wanted to be like you, man. Uh, well, uh, first thing is don't shave for a week. Second thing is get a <laughs> bit of whiskey and get working on that. <laughs> But uh, anyways, if you, for whatever benign reason, if need to contact me, you can, of course, always reach me at jack at com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Jack LaCroix. Uh, you can also start seeing my random words and semi-sober thoughts over at Mana Deprived on my new column, Troll Aesthetics. Troll what? Troll Aesthetics.
2: Oh, okay. All
3: right. Uh Okay, Corbin, what's up? <laughs> Yeah, uh, you can reach me at uh, hostler 88 on Twitter. Um, I write for uh, Quiet Speculation, so you can always find me over there. I post in the forums there pretty regularly. Um, yeah, that's, that's
2: that. Sweet. Carlos? Uh,
5: you can reach me at cag5383 on Twitter, cag5383 at uh, Gmail. And I also write for Quiet Speculation, so you can see my articles there on Tuesday about Commander Deck Instruction.
3: I suggest reading awesome. them, you guys. They, they've helped me get into Commander.
1: They're, they're very, very, very good articles, and Carlos helps me out with almost every single build that I come up with, and usually by screaming at me, why the hell are you thinking about running that card?
5: <laughs> look, 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 that's the only way you're going to learn. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing we've learned from this cast.
1: Yeah, if if you beat somebody over the head <laughs> savagely with knowledge, they will indeed <laughs> gleam something from it.
4: All right, Anthony, where can you be reached? Uh, you can reach me on email, apalm9292 at yahoo.com, and I make the professors for Black Border, but we're going to be switching to a, a different, uh, bigger site in two weeks. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, uh, we're switching the Channel Fireball in, I think, a week or two. Uh, I oh, check. awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Roberto, you, Oh, did you have any more to say there, Anthony?
2: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Okay, uh, Roberto, did you yeah. have uh, anywhere
0: you can be reached still? Be reached on the, on Twitter as the Me T H E B E M E. I can be reached at numerous email accounts, and <laughs> at the rate at the rate I'm going right now, I assume that my Twitter page is going to be bombarded by this because it got bombarded the minute I posted it up. So I guess I haven't covered. Where can they reach you at Tangent?
2: Uh Tangent Dyn on Twitter, Tangent Dyn on Magic Online, and Manascrewed at gmail.com to email the show. Yeah, you can
0: also email your comments to me about being a bad dad there too.
2: Yeah, definitely do that, and email your email to uh, Mister Jack now
1: the, uh Uh, absolutely and Robert where could uh, like listeners reach social services in your area if you don't mind giving that number out (laughs) hey
0: hey, ironic (laughs) he was we did this Friday night and Saturday we celebrated my youngest son's birthday and my mother came down from up north and took him away for the week so I guess you could say I did my own version of social services
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, have, having the grandparents step up is always a good idea.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we'll wrap it up for the week. Uh, until next week, I guess we're out. Later. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Bye,
1: everybody.
2: Has anyone ever told you that your uh, sky pictures microscopic? There, Roberto. Yeah. Well, I,
1: I mean, it's better than the randomly rotating dildo and or anime characters I use for my own. I